First Timothy chapter two, and we will practice this in a moment, but uh, it starts out in chapter two saying then, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. And then it says this, that we may lead peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You say, well, what does that have to do with voting? Um, It has everything to do with voting. It has everything to do. What is the church to be? What is the church to be? What, What are... Our issues, we have all kinds of issues, by the way, uh, but um, what are the things that we desire in the country that we live in? And it's this, that we can live that quiet and peaceful life, that whatever government is in charge would stay out of the church's business and that the church may prosper and do its work. And it goes on to say, what is the work that God is doing it's real simple. He's wanting all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We can get so wound up in politics and what's going on. It's helpful, I think, for us to not look at the backdrop of our nation's history, but rather the backdrop of the New Testament and realize the political scene that they were in and realize this, that God is in control that we should pray for those in authority, uh, whether they're good or bad in our eyes, that we should vote. We should vote early and often if they let us. Um, And we should know that God is in control and we should vote in such a way that God's church can continue to do its work and to uh, allow us to continue to share the good news of the gospel. Political parties, uh, constitutions, uh, laws, propositions will not help us at all apart from the gospel. And so I want to pray even uh, even today for our country, for our president, and for the election on Tuesday. God, thank you uh, for so uh, great of a blessing that you have bestowed upon us that we might live in this country and a greater blessing to be a part of your church. And God, I ask that you would bless our president today I ask that you would draw him closer to yourself, if to yourself. Uh, God, I ask that you would get, grant him wisdom to make good decisions for our country. God, I ask in the election to come, Lord, that you would continue to provide for your country, this country, our country, the place that you have left us and, and caused us to live. God, I ask that your church would prosper that we would be continue, that you would provide for us day in and day out the opportunity to live as your people, to do your work without hindrance, and that your gospel would go forth from here. God, and in the end, God, help us to embrace the fact that you are a sovereign God over all. And no matter what the election results, no matter what the weather is, no matter what our economy is, that we can trust you for this day, that we know that your good hand is watching over us and that providing for us. 
God, honor yourself in us as we seek to live for you in this world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Once again, you can use the uh, table of contents in your Bible. I did this morning. We're um, studying uh, through some of the minor prophets. We will not go through all of them, uh, but we will uh, have a few more after this. I want to ask you a question, and it's a question that's asked in the book of Habakkuk. It's a question that some of you will, uh, wanting to be good Christian people, you will reject outright, even as I say it. Um, some of you will say, well, I'd never ask a question like that. And you are deceived because you ask it every day. Um, it is a question that is asked in the book of Habakkuk. It's asked in other places as well. I think of the Psalms. I think of different people within the scripture that struggled with this. I think of people that I've known around here and my own life as well. And the question is, is it good to trust in God? Is it good to trust in God? Let me pray once again real briefly. God, I ask your blessing on our time. We are opening your word and we ask that you would speak clearly to us. That your Holy Spirit would be our guide. Um, Holy Spirit, which... Uh, cause the word to come to us, be inspired through men. I pray that uh, we would be able to understand it and be guided uh, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Is it good to trust in God? Will it work? Will it work? Trusting in God, will it work today? In the midst of whatever I'm going through, in the midst of whatever I see, Will it work? Is it a good idea to trust in God today? What if things don't work out? What if things are difficult? We struggle because we look out the window. And today is an easy day to look out the window, isn't it? It's easy on the eyes. You bounced into church. You got an extra hour of sleep. And you're like, everything's perfect in Bear Valley Springs. You're going out to buy the license plate frame and all that stuff. Um, about being paradise and all that stuff. You look out the window and things are fine. Uh, but there will be days where you look out the window and it doesn't seem fine. It doesn't seem like uh, God's blessing is upon you that you wonder, uh, you know, what he's doing. Some of you spend too much time watching CNN and Fox News and various other channels and you sit there and you go, look at that. Can't believe that. You know what I heard? You know what I read? You know what I saw? You know, so you watch Bill O'Reilly late at night and then you go to bed and I just, I wonder how does that connect with a good night's sleep, you know? Uh, you look out the window, you look at the TV, you see in the news and, and you go, what's going on? What's happening in our world today? Maybe some of you uh, <coughs> uh, consider your neighbor 
and people you know around you, people who don't walk with the Lord, some of them who even shake an angry fist at God and you go, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? I I don't see what you're doing. Others of you are concerned about our community and what's going on uh, in our city and in California where you see in our country. And your conclusion is all that you see is evil. All that you see is bad. The future looks bleak. And, and as you look out there and as you see that, you say, uh, all I see is evil. And then you ask the question again. Is it good for me to trust in God? Is it good? Is, is it going to work? It doesn't seem like it's working. I am trusting in God and I'm still burdened in my heart and the world's not getting any better. God, what is going on? I don't get it. You may be struggling with things in your own life and um, you wonder, is it time for we, for us to play in the world that we live in by the rules that go on here? Do I exchange a faithful walk with the Lord to something that will work in the survival of the fittest mode? Do I give up? Do I exchange God for something else? Something that works in this world? Um, I want to share with you that the book of Habakkuk is, that's what this struggle is all about. If you look at chapter 1, <coughs> verse 1, we don't know a whole lot about Habakkuk as with some of the other minor prophets. We don't even really have um, a good dating for the time that we live in, you know, that the time that this is written in. Bye. We'll see you later. (laughs) Such a cutie. Hope I don't have to carry any of the rest of you out because you're a little bit more. You wouldn't go so quietly and sweetly. Look at chapter uh, one, verse one. Look at what it says. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw, okay? It's a little bit interesting in that this is, uh, God gives him a picture. There's this conversation going on between Habakkuk and God. And as this is working out, the message comes much like Jonah in in the heart of Habakkuk. What's going on in his heart, the struggles that he is having with the Lord. And I think there's some that we can really relate with. This is what he says. Oh, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. We look at this and um, there's a sense of complaint to this. And I want to be honest with you. Um, Christians, we don't complain or critique, okay? That's not your role. That's not what we're about, you know? It's not right. It's not right. 
That's not what God desires for us. And we'll see that uh, in our book today. What Christians do is see the hand of God. We try to figure out what God is doing. And Habakkuk is struggling with this. And I want to tell you, it's not that Christians never complain. It's that in our weak points and the things that we see that things aren't right, then we complain. But it's in a relationship with God and he straightens us out. You look at this throughout the scripture. You look at Job and as he struggled. And it's the very same concept that we struggle in relationship with God. And then he reveals himself to us. And we realize that we need to set our complaints aside and embrace the God who has embraced us. But Habakkuk is complaining. How is he complaining? He says, uh, how long? Great question, isn't it? It's one that comes up over and over in the scripture. Um, I've shared with you, uh, Psalm 13 is a great psalm. If you want to go through trials, it says, how long, how long, how long? Uh, This is our question, isn't it? Um, This is the question that kids ask when you're on a family vacation, right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And as children to a father, we say, God, it seems like it's getting a little long here. Uh, Is there some relief in sight? How long will I have to wait? And so Habakkuk asks, he says, how long? I'm, I'm crying for help and you're not answering. You're not doing something that I want you to do. And I feel like you're not hearing me. He, he says, uh, I cry out violence. It's the idea. I need help right now. There's injustice going on. And it says, and you will not save. You just let it go on. Do you, say, do you have that feeling in your heart where you realize that you're struggling with things, trying to struggle before the Lord, trying to do what he wants you to do, and yet it seems like it's going on too long? How long? And Habakkuk says, I look around and what I see is just wickedness all around. And it seems like your justice should come, but it never comes. And then in the middle of verse 4, it says, for the wicked surround the righteous. Shouldn't it be that righteousness prevails? God, this is how I see the world. Is I do what's right and you bless me. People who do what's wicked, you you strike them down, and we all get to watch. You know, it's good. It, and and then we say, "See, I told you so." If you would have followed after God, you wouldn't. But you were too dumb, and you you, you did it, and you're hurting. And he, he says the complete opposite is happening. The righteous are encircled by the wicked. The wicked people are winning. And God, what's the deal? It's my complaint. It's the thing that bothers my heart. As I look out the window, I'm not seeing what in my mind should be happening. As I look to my neighbor, I realize that that they're prospering apart from relationship with you, apart from a righteous life. I look at my world and I go, what are they doing? It seems like they're okay. And I look at my own life and I go, is it worth it to follow after God? I trust that this morning that some of you uh, 
didn't say it out loud, but you rolled into church that way. You're struggling with, is it worth it? Is this something that, does this deal with relationship with God? Does it really work? How long? In chapter 1, verse 5, uh, it, that was Habakkuk's complaint. And now um, God answers. He says, look among the nations and see, and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days. I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. I'm at work. That's true of God all the time. Do you know that? What's going on today? God is working. God is working. And in Habakkuk's specific, and maybe it's for all of us, I don't know. Habakkuk's specific situation, he says, and what I am doing will blow your mind. You couldn't even take it in. You know what? I think that's maybe true for some of us. How's, how have the last five years of your life been different than you anticipated? How have they just been different? If uh, God were uh, five years ago, he would have shut you down and said, let me explain to you uh, the events that are going to happen in your life in the next five years. Um, some of you have just cashed it in right then, huh? I quit. I'm gone. Done. Out of here. I think that's true of Habakkuk as well. And as God looks to him, he says, look, I'm at work. I'm at work. And, and this is the confidence that comes in that. If life is just random, if life just kind of blows the way Mother Nature takes things, that we're susceptible to just anything that kind of happens, man, it's an awful, there's no confidence in anything. But if God is in control and he is at work today and he is working out his plan in the days to come, there's a great confidence that we can have, not in that things will go as we like them, but that somehow this all fits into the plan of God. Super important for us to get every one of us here this morning. We are going through tough times and you say, I don't get it. You're asking questions that Habakkuk was sharing, writing down before the Lord. Others of you are going, yeah, it's fine today. But days are coming that you you may not understand how that all fits together. But God says, I'm at work. And then he goes on to explain what he's doing. He says, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come from violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress for they pile up earth and take it. For they sweep by, the, by, by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. 
What's God doing? Raising up the Chaldeans. And, and as Habakkuk must have got this message, and as it was dispersed, he's going, the Chaldeans? The Chaldeans were a group of Babylonian people. They were not followers of God by any means. They were rough. And, and the picture here is to God's people. He says, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. I'm making the Chaldeans mighty. You know, those ones that are already mighty, I'm going to make them mightier. This is what I'm doing. This is part of my plan. I'm working this out. You're going, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The righteous should be the ones that God is exalting, not the wicked. The Chaldeans were wicked people. They were haters of God. In fact, it says their own God was what? Themselves, right? The kings thought of themselves as gods. And you say, this doesn't seem right. It's, it's not right in my eyes. In our culture today as Americans, uh, we might see it as this, that if God was sharing a message to us and we say, God, we're trying to do our best here. We, we just don't see how this is all working out. And God says, I'm at work here. I'm at work. And we're like, good, you're at work. He says, I, I, I'm going to raise up Iran and make it strong. And in our hearts, we're like, what? What? Iran? Are you kidding me? Hey, out of all the country, why, why would you raise them up? And God says, I'm at work here. I'm at work. I'm doing my work. Uh, there's something that needs to go on in our own hearts. And it needs to go on on a daily, um, hourly, moment-by-moment thing. It needs to go on is this. That we go through this orientation. Go through this orientation and we say, Oh yeah, who are you? Who are you? I'm Kevin. Okay, I, got I know who I am. That's good. Um, I'm Kevin, and you're God. You're God. You're God. I'm Kevin. I'm not the Kevin God, and you're not the God servant to Kevin. You're God who sits on the throne, infinitely wise. You know what you're doing, and I am your servant. Your small-minded servant that can't understand your ways. I, I can't understand your plan. I don't, I, I would never understand. If you laid it out before me in detail, I couldn't follow the manual. I couldn't even understand where it was going. We need to have this orientation going on all the time because God is doing things for his purposes that we cannot understand. He says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. We see in verse 12, Habakkuk, it says his second complaint, but it's very much like the first complaint and it's just a continuation of complaint. He says, are, are you not from everlasting, O, o Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord you have ordained them as as a judgment. And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of pure eyes that 
than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. And by them, he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Verse 1 says this, I will take my stand at my watch post and my station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. What will I answer concerning my complaint? What will the answer be concerning my complaint? First he asks how long, and then he follows it up with, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. What you're saying, God, is this. You're raising up the Chaldeans, and they worship their net and various other things, the things that they are, the things that they have. They are not honoring to you. And now I'm more frustrated and confused than I was before, even after you explained. And so now I go sit down and watch, and I want to see how this plays out. How will you raising up the Chaldeans, how, how will that, in any way, shape, or form, be part of your plan. I I need to sit back and watch because I don't get it. I don't get it. I want to stop and just for a moment and ask if you can relate. The things in your life right now that you're thinking are going on too long. Or the things in your life right now where you argue against the Lord and say, God, uh, you can't do this. You can't do this to me. I'm your child. I'm trying to live for you, and shouldn't you take this away? You're asking how long. And then as days go on, you become more and more dismayed and discouraged, and you say, I don't get it. I don't get it. This doesn't seem right. I watch this world, this evil world. I watch God's people be evil. I watch God's... Those who are not God's people be evil, have personal enemies. I see this world falling apart. I don't get it. That was Habakkuk's complaints against the Lord. You turn over, uh, we're in chapter 2 once again, and and you see in verse 3, and God answers, um, answers Habakkuk. We'll start at verse 2, and it says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It seems slow. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Um, I want to point out something. What time is it right now? As you look at this passage, um, there's uh, verse 3 says, it's appointed time. 
It's a point of time. Some of you are very time conscious. You know who you are. Bells ring off in your head. And you know, the worst sin you can ever commit is being late. Right? So you're time conscious. What time is it? I got to know what time it is. You don't have any place to go, but you want to know what time it is, okay? Uh, you, you love the watch. You, you, and you, you've scheduled everything. You've connected uh, an event with time, and you say, it all comes together at this moment. It's part of the schedule. It's part of the plan. I want to tell you, God has a watch. God has a time. It's not an atomic thing. It's his, you know, right? He really doesn't have a watch. He just knows what time it is. He just knows. And all the events of the world are scheduled out according to his timetable. You look at your watch and you say, how long? And he says, not yet. And you say, well, could you give me, you know, are we going to be there yet? Five minutes. Actually, he never says five minutes. He says just a little while longer. Um, I I want you to embrace that once again. um, We're not in the driver's seat on this one, are we? We're not deciding how far we're going and what we're doing. You've got to have that orientation thing go on again. I'm Kevin. I'm Kevin. You're God. I'm Kevin. You're not serving me. I'm serving you. You've you got to get that orientation right. Because if you don't, you'll be arguing and complaining against God all the time. Because he is not working out your plan for you to be happy. He's working out his plan and you will be happy in his plan. Super important for us to get. Super important. As we look at this, he gives us the picture of what it is that we are to be doing. What am I supposed to be doing? If it's going on too long, what should I do? I hope you caught it. Let me read it to you again. I want you to ask the question, what should I be doing Verse 3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Two things I want to tell you in there. Wait. Wait. Um. Most of us aren't good at waiting. We would uh, exchange waiting uh, for useless activity any day of the week. Uh, I got to be doing something. And so we're frantically moving around, just moving things, you know, rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. And we're like, no, I'm really doing something here. I'm really doing something. I got to be doing something. You know, I can't sit down because things aren't right right now. I'm just going to move around and I'm going to fix everything, or at least I'm going to be busy while while I'm waiting. I want to tell you, our frantic activity will not, will not help us wait for the Lord. Our frantic activity will not help us wait for the Lord. It will distract us from trusting in the Lord. There's a first thing I see there. The second thing, and you may have heard this before, it's in the book of Romans, it's in Galatians, it's in Hebrews. Habakkuk has, uh, really brings out one of the 
primary ideas of the New Testament. It's faith. It's faith. And it says this, uh, Behold, his soul is puffed up. Speaking of the enemy or the enemies, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. That's what the righteous do. They live by faith. And you say, well, what is that? It's a secure trust in God. It's that we have placed the bets of our own life in his hands. Okay? We are not looking to anything else. We have trusted him with all that we are. And so this is this is where it comes together. I asked you at the beginning... Um, you know, is, is it good for you to trust and believe in God? Is it good? Is, is that a good idea? Um, is it something that we should do? You know what? It is something we should do. Do you get that? It's super important. Why? How do we do that? In the midst of the chaos of this evil world, we are to continue to trust in God. It's the quiet, righteous Life that, that quietly trusts in the Lord. When things don't go your way, what do you do? You go, man, I gotta fix this. I gotta fix this. I gotta straighten this out. This isn't right. This isn't right. Uh, if anything happens, we say, we just need to work harder and sort it out. It may be so clear that this is from God and this is part of His plan. He says, but I don't like it, so I'm gonna change it. I'm going to frantically run around and I'm going to fix everything. Guess what? That's not faith. It's not faith. The righteous orient themselves to God. They say, God, what do you want me to be doing right now? And most of the time, you know what he's going to tell us? Same thing you've been doing previous to this. Just continue. Well, it seems like it's not working. Shouldn't I change? No. Wait patiently for me. I'll do the organizing. I'll do the planning. I'll do the scheduling. I'll, I'll reroute any course that I need to. Okay, I'll, I'll be the one. I want you to trust me. I want, I want you to wait patiently for me. You see, that's what the righteous do. If you're going to walk with God, guess what? You just give it up. You just give it up. You say, you, you're in charge. You're in charge. Uh you, you got the steering wheel. You got the steering wheel. Um, some of you have to drive everywhere you go. You won't let your wife or your spouse drive. I've seen some of your wives and spouses drive. Maybe a good idea. Um, but um, you have to be in charge. Uh, my son Caleb's learning to drive. It's driving me nuts, you know. And it's not that he's such a bad driver. It's just that I'm not in charge. We, uh, we rented one of those Surrey um, canopy bike type things. And one of my kids was driving and they have a wheel uh, on, on the passenger side, but it just spins around and around. Guess what I was doing the whole time? You know, I, I'm going like this, acting like I'm driving. And one of my kids goes, dad, that doesn't work. I know, I know. It's just habit. It's just habit. I love to grab the wheel. Uh, so let me grab the wheel, right? Get your hands off the wheel. It's not yours. It's God's. That he's in charge. And even as evil and chaos are, is all around us, the point for us is that we, to be righteous, if we are going to walk with the Lord, guess what we do? We trust him. 
We trust him every day. Those hourly, moment-by-moment conversations. Oh, yeah, you're in charge. I'm not. You're God. I'm not. Uh, I serve you. You don't serve me. Uh, This is the orientation that we must have. The righteous will live by faith, trusting and believing in God, leaving it up to him. You go on the next couple of sections here in the book of Habakkuk. And it's interesting. He I'll just summarize for you. He tells Habakkuk two things. I will take care of the wicked and I'll take care of the Chaldeans. It's really interesting. He says that I'm going to rise up the Chaldeans. And then he says, look out Chaldeans. I'm coming after you. How can you say both things? God says, it's part of my plan. I'm going to somehow use the Chaldeans in your life. And then I'm going to take the Chaldeans out and humble them before everybody. That's what I'm going to do. And you say, well, why is God doing that? He's God. He's God. This is what he does. This is how he sees things. This is his plan, not yours. Skipping over to chapter 3, I want to uh, show you again. As you look at chapter 3, it's Habakkuk's prayer. And he's coming back to that orientation as he understands that God's judgment, that God's eyes have seen the wickedness in the world. The Chaldeans, his own people, his foes, he's seen it all. And his judgment will come. Habakkuk reorients himself as, as he's seen and God's worked in his heart. He reorients himself. And as you look at verse 16, I love how, how this um, comes together. He knows the, the, how mighty the Chaldeans are, how, you know, how he feels so helpless. And in verse 16, he says, I hear and my body trembles. My body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. You see, what's interesting about this um, uh, minor prophet, the book of Habakkuk, it's not just that things were bad in the past and he's trying to sort them out. It's not even that things were bad in the present and he's looking for a way out. It's that God reveals to him that there are going to be bad things in the future. The future. Um, some of us get, uh, um, lost in the power of positive thinking. Hey, things are going to get better. Says who? How do you know? We don't know. We don't know if our health is going to get better. We don't know if the economy is going to get better. We don't know if things are going to change. Habakkuk is struggling with that. He knows it's coming. And he says, I'm feeling weak. I'm trembling. My my knees are buckling beneath me. And then he says something so beautiful. He said, yet I will wait, will, will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. You know what that is? It's quiet faith. It's quiet faith. It's the ability to look at the future and say, I don't know what's going to go on. I'm, in fact, I'm afraid of the future. My, my own strength is just 
falling apart and I, I don't know if I can handle it. But what he says is, I will have quiet, confident faith in you, God. I'll have quiet, confident faith. I will not get frantic. I will not, you know, be a complainer and look for ways. And I, I won't be one that is always looking for some uh, remedy in this life. I trust in you. I, I won't call my friends and blab for an hour about the injustices of this life. I won't call my mom or my dad. I, I won't, I'll just quietly walk with you. I will wait upon you, God. Um, this is what we need, folks. Quiet faith. Sits and walks with God. You know what? Um, most of us are, are on a roller coaster of emotions through life. We're, we're up or we're down and there should be uh, like there should be kind of some mood ring that's a little bit bigger. So everyone else knows what's going on in your life. And they're like, ooh, it's red. <laughs> Bail out. Talk to you later. Wait, we haven't talked. I know, but talk to you later. Get you tomorrow. We should have one of those. Because most of us, that, that's the frantic, the frantic activity of life that we say, I can fix everything. I, I just need an event. I need to get rid of all this. No, you need to quietly walk with the Lord, patiently trusting in Him. If you need to complain, complain to Him. If, if you need to vent, He knows what went on, so you, you can talk to Him. But ultimately, the, the outcome needs for us to quietly, patiently, faithfully place our, our life, our steps in his hand. You say, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it is. Because it's not just what we see. It's trusting in what we don't see, right? It's trusting that he will do what he promises he will do. I want to show you something, though. Um, this last section, um, I want to love this through my whole life because it's so beautiful. It says, uh, though the fig tree should not blossom. When your fruit trees don't blossom, they don't bear any fruit, okay? Uh, nor the fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. You know about farming, right? Theoretically, right? Uh, we, know, we know that our, our country, there were many of us generations past who were farmers. Uh, farmers, you only get one shot, right? You know, if things don't work out this well, you starve, Right? And there's a sense in which you're betting and, and, you know, a grandfather used to say the greatest gambler of all was the farmer because he was, he was betting it all on that one crop, that one harvest. And as, as you look at this, what he's setting up here, he says, it doesn't work. The farming doesn't work. And then he says, the flock be cut off from the field and there be no herd in the stalls. He looks at it and he says, economically and for the provision of my family and the future, the immediate future, nothing good you can see. 
This is the good part. I just want to tell you. This isn't the bad part. This is the good part. I know some of you are going, this is the one you want to remember? Yeah. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And then he basically is written there. Sing about it. Tell the choir master. We got to pull out the guitars. We got to sing about this. Sorry. Sorry, folks. There's guitars in the scripture again. Stringed instruments. Um, what happens? I, I want to tell you this. This is so important. I need this in my home. I need this in my heart. I need this in this church. I need it in our community. I want to be around people. I want to be a person that's joyfully, lighthearted, praising the Lord and his goodness. Don't you? Don't you? Or do you want to be the drag that you were last week? Oh, man, this world's awful and everything's awful. You're walking around like Eeyore and you're like, man, this is, this is what I was designed for. You were not designed for that. You were not. I, I, I want to point something out that Habakkuk, in, you, you read these words and you go, rejoice, rejoice, joy, salvation, strength. Don't you want those? I want them. I want all those things. I want to have the joyful, praising, lighthearted life in the midst of it. In the midst of it. That's not... Do you get that? In the midst of it. He says, the crops have failed. I don't have any livestock. It's awful. That, that stuff's awful. That's real. In the midst of that, in the midst of that... I want to have joy. I want to be praising God. I want to have him as my strength. I want to be like that deer. That deer just takes off, right? It's lighthearted. It bounces. It can jump. It, he says, and then he says, he puts me in that high rock place, that place of safety. I want to tell you this morning, um, we need to trust in God like that. It is good for us to trust in God. Some of you this morning, <coughs> I want to talk to you. Um, you need a relationship with God. You, you came in here and you said, I'm trying to be good. Don't try to be good anymore, okay? Don't, being good's not good enough, okay? It's just not. It's that we would trust God, that we would turn over our life to Him, to come to surrender with Him. How you do this is real simple. You say, God, I messed up my life by trusting in myself. I've messed up my life by trusting in myself or what I can do today. And I've messed up my life by trusting that I can be good enough to go to heaven. Both of those are wrong. And God, I need to give up my life and trust in you. Put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Both for today and for eternity. That's what I need. Let me pray for you. Um, if that's something that you need to be doing today, you can do it in your own heart where you sit. Uh, that's sweet. 
please tell somebody. Um, have them encourage you. God accepts you today. He, he's still taking people into his family. The beautiful adoption that happens. Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, I pray that if you're working on any hearts now through your spirit, that they would not resist, but that they would come to you in humble repentance, that they would pray those simple prayers in their own heart before you. And God, that you would mark them through your Holy Spirit as part of your family. God, uh, I'm reminded that we need to trust you this morning. And um, I'm sad that I don't trust you more. Um, I realize as I go through the book of Habakkuk that my complaints are ever before you. Um, and my heart is ever trusting, uh, moving to a trust in myself and not to trusting you. God, may we experience the joy that comes from trusting you, from patiently waiting in faith for you. We thank you for your love and your kindness to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd ask that the men would come forward that are going to help me uh, serve communion. I... Uh,